Wait, what were we talking about? I forgot. Yeah, episode six, Dissociation. Encountering the core. Encountering the core. Welcome back. Nice to see you. I hope you've been having a good day. Nice to know that you're there, to feel you. I feel you currently listening from the past. I saw something recently about how there is a part of you that always exists in space because of how light travels. So how you can theoretically go to a point in the universe billions of miles away and then see any point in human history because you can just go to a certain point in space, zoom into the earth and like see the pyramids being built, which fits nicely with this thought that I've been wrestling with about time and the way that we interpret time and we live time. The way that I understand dissociation is this sort of out of timeness, this way that we sort of become unstuck in time or stuck in the ether, the non-time. So this episode will be diving in, zooming in, tuning in, feeling a little bit more and getting to know a bit about dissociation and how to work with it. Thank you for joining. start off with a definition of dissociation. Yeah, I think that dissociation is a word that has been getting tossed around, spoken, discussed a lot recently. It's a word that I know pops up a lot on my different feeds, on my timelines, on my tweet storms. And so, yeah, I would definitely be curious to hear how you define dissociation, how you think about it. A short definition, I'd start off with splitting off of the self. To get a little bit more wordy, I'd say a coping mechanism of physical and mental disconnection from our environment in response to consistent stress or overwhelm. A splitting off of the self. And so I think there's a range of ways to dissociate, right? Commonly, what I'm looking at is moments where we're engaging and then all of a sudden you drift away. 
your eyes might go a little gazed or hazy. Um, you may even kind of be here with me, but at the same time, you're not. Another part of you is not. Um, sometimes I'm when you say something to someone and they kind of shake their head like they weren't there and they kind of pull back in the room. And I think that's that's one layer of dissociation. It's um, a lot of my clients kind of talk about it as a buzzing or being in a microwave, um, being in a cloud. I think that there is older language around dissociation, um, what I often refer to as like classic, which is this idea that in some traumatic event, you dissociated from your body, right? The more dramatic, the more intense, where you left your body. And that's kind of one version. And I also would like to think of like, you know, one of the ways that many of my clients or beings come to be dissociators is to live in a long-term situation that's uncomfortable, right? Uh, whatever happened in your house or, um, you know, really high standards um, can lead us to dissociate um, because the home environment is uncomfortable. You know, I just recently read about something in another layer of dissociation that looks more like when your parent, when you tell your parent like, hey, I have this feeling or, you know, the example was like, oh, I went to school today and my friends didn't sit with me and your child's like expressing something pretty serious. And the parent kind of says, oh, don't worry, you'll make other friends. Right. And so in that way, we just start to dissociate from these parts that are important and and telling, hey, this is what's going on with me. This is important um, and it's not addressed. And so there's kind of some different layers. And I think the last one that is worth talking about was something that particularly around COVID, um, but I think at large in um, the United States society that we see is this idea of dissociating day to day, right? This long term dissociation where you're not constantly in it. But you're really just living week to week and you're just kind of tuning out, you know, especially with work. Um, you might just tune out for hours, you know, at work and just kind of it's like you're there, but you're not. Or even in life, you know, you come home and um, you just kind of sit down and you want to dissociate. You want to leave. You want to disconnect. Yeah. Whenever you say the term splitting off. From yourself that makes me think of the word alienation this way that it seems like you you know lose connection with part of your being and that makes sense whenever you talk about this happening consistently in society I mean that makes me think of capitalist critiques um, or rather anti-capitalist critiques critiques of capitalism I mean, Marx is famous for talking about how there's this alienating quality of capitalism, the way it alienates us from our labor, it alienates us from the products we consume. And so for me, that's where my mind goes whenever you say that and link it to our daily lives is this way that we are disconnected from the work that we do and we're disconnected from the products we consume, from the food that we eat, from the spaces we inhabit. Yeah, and I think I love that because that is, it's a way that we live with dissociation, right? And there's there are so many layers to it. And I know that you have done a lot of work in your practice around feelings associated with dissociation. You have the feelings wheel that you sort of 
remade, reimagined to include a section on numbness to address this feeling of or experience of dissociation as something that isn't, you know, the typical sad, mad, fearful, but is something else that is actually a bit more removed from emotion and distant. Many individuals can sit on my couch and state, you know, I'm feeling numb. I'm feeling not that present, right? And so we created this section and some of the words that we put in there is apathetic. as a big one with my teens. Bored, blunted, cloudy, stupefied, detached, withdrawn, frozen, avoidant, indifferent. And these for me are the range of words that fall within the category of numb. Um, and I, I like claiming that is something you can feel. That is something you can identify. You can look back or currently and say, I'm feeling numb. Yeah, and I see dissociated as one of the actual feelings within the numb scale on the wheel that you made. Um, yeah, I appreciate like apathetic, detached, right? I think that there's this way of reframing, especially with teenagers, what that is, where I think that when I was growing up, you know, there was this impulse to just say, oh, well, you just don't have motivation. You know, you just need to get it together. You need to figure out how to get yourself engaged, which I think is something a little bit different than asking okay, you're feeling apathetic about this. Why don't you feel connected to it? What might you feel more connected to? How could you feel more connected to what you're doing? Instead of just saying, oh, you just need to figure out how to find motivation in what you're being asked to do. That's such a starting place with my teens. When they come in, they're not getting good grades. They don't care. You know, I ask them, what do they think about school? What do they feel about it? you know, what's their future ideation, right? And more often than not, I find school isn't teaching me the things I need. It's a waste of time. They give me all this work, you know, the classic, I'm not going to use geometry. And when that really, yeah, it's like, well, I, okay, you don't care about school because it doesn't make sense to you, right? And so it is really addressing this, the meaning that you make of it or the relationship you have with it, not just telling these kids to do better, that they can do it. Like, you know, you kind of have to address like they don't give a shit. Like they are kind of seeing through the system in a way. Um, I've always said that I think kids see the truth much more clearly than um, a lot of other people do because they are less aware of how they're supposed to interpret things. They don't have fully formed frameworks for how they see the world. <laughs> so they tend to just see things and then take that in. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's especially a way that younger kids, teenagers really do see through bullshit in a way that is very genuine and natural. You know, and it's it's so especially like today, this is, you know, one of the word phrases of the day is like the system is broken, right? Or the world is broken, I kept hearing. And, you know, I would ask yourself as a viewer, right? 
what is your relationship? What happens when you see something is broken, right? What happens when you start to, you know, be like, why am I going to this? Why am I doing this job, right? Why am I in this relationship? Um, and what starts to come up with dissociation in particular, often one of the ways that I would kind of go into it is what we see is there's an overwhelm, right? We see stress. Like you were talking about, um, like, what do you eat, right? If you really start to think about the meats that we eat, that is very overwhelming, right? If you really start to, you know, if a teen starts to think about what they're going to be and what they want to be and how they're going to, like, that is where we begin to dissociate, right? It gets to be too much, right? So our body, there to help us and protect us, starts to give us chemicals, probably in the dopamine range, that actually starts to dope us out, that starts to numb us out, because that's too much, that's unbearable, right? That's And so that's kind of why we are numb to huge things in society, because the idea of even thinking about them is overwhelming. So we learn both in a learned behavior to dissociate, um, but in an actual act of getting close to this thing that's overwhelming and then our body comes in and says, woof, let's give you some of that, you know, buzzing numbness. Which goes back to what you were saying about dissociation's relationship to tragedy or trauma, this way that our bodies will say, oh, I can't deal with this or this is too much. So... I'm just not going to process this, um, which is, I think, why this term has been coming up so much over the past year plus, especially with the pandemic, with so many people being confronted with, with the unknown, with the unknown, which, Stressful. yeah, overwhelming. <laughs> like, if you don't understand it, you can't even process it. Yeah. And that's where, and I think. You know, that's where the unknown is also related to tragedy in that way, where in the same vein, both something that is tragic but recognized and something that is unknown sort of present this overwhelming, mysterious quality to us where we, we, we can't solve, we can't, or we can't immediately solve, right? Not that we can't ever figure out some way to deal with it, but the immediate response is something in the realm of I don't know. And so that I don't know or that I can't deal with this is then met with a withdrawal from the situation itself. And two really worthy examples of this in life is those who identify as transgender, right? There are so often that those clients don't have these relationships with these bodies or they have a more dissociated relationship with their body, right? Growing up in a body that you see in a mirror that you look down and you say, what is going on here, right? Something, especially from a childlike mind or even a teenager mind is extremely large and to face that, right? To, to acknowledge that seems at times incomprehensible. Then those individuals at a higher rate begin to dissociate from their body. And so I work with a lot of them to actually retune into the body, right? And, 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 and I do see like there's so many of them that sit in front of me that, that it's, it's, it seems foreign for them to ask, what does their body feel, right? And sometimes there's an, I don't know, or I can just see them speaking at such a rapid rate and going and going and going. And it's like, and there it's, it's hard there's been a relationship of dissociation to what's going on in and on their body. The other piece, you want to go there? Sure. 
And that, I, I mean, the question I think for me is that the term that comes to my mind is gender dysphoria, right? Which I think is the term that most people would have for this idea that trans people feel disconnected from the body that they've been born into. This way that gender identity doesn't match with the physical form. And so there's this misalignment, which again, going back to the definition you gave, right? The splitting off from yourself, this misalignment or this alienation from yourself, which can be as deep as feeling misaligned with the actual physical being or physical form that you're in. And often we look at dysphoria as typically the conversation is around reactivity, right? And, and so I love that you're bringing dis, um, dissociation into this because it's often seen as this pairing, right? I look in the mirror, I see something that has a discord that doesn't make sense. I start to go down the tunnel, any one of the tunnels. How am I going to change this? How am I going to afford this? What am I going to do? Will I ever get where I want? Why am I like this? How did this come to be? Like those big questions, right? And that spiral opens up a whole myriad of emotions. And that begins to get attached, right? As we said, the Tupperware theory in that moment, the panic, the feelings, the, the loss, the grieving, um, then gets paired with the mirror, the body, right? And dysphoria is kind of that accumulation on one side, right? It's now you can just look in the mirror and qu how quickly you can go into that. You can drop into that dread. You can drop into that loss. Um, but I do like the other side that, that you're springing in, which is the dissociation, right? To have a... Um, to dissociate from the relationship with the body, from all those feelings, all those things going on in there because it's too much to process. And that's where, you know, the sort of flip side of gender dysphoria is this conception of gender euphoria, feeling of alignment with your body, with your expression, with your representation that, I mean, I one, I think that gender euphoria is just, one of my favorite terms as of late, because I think that it's in part just a really beautiful transmutation of this term that has been historically used in really harmful ways. Um, but it is also this really great way of expressing the fact that you can reform your relationship with your gender and with your body in ways that aren't simply not dysphoric, but are actually euphoric mm -hmm. that are actually more than not bad. Feel so other to the common experience that's had. The other experience being just, I mean, dysphoria, you mm -hmm. know, it's to feel not okay with it, to not feel right, to feel, mm -hmm. um, the possibility of a spiral into tons of feelings and emotions and to actually have a feeling of that's right. That feels good. Yeah. Right. Even if it's, as, I'm not even going to say as simple, right. Even if it's profound as a pronoun, um, that in that moment, there's something that feels euphoric, that feels right. That feels seen. Yeah. And also beyond not just dysphoria, but also I think the more baseline dissociation, dissociated relationship that most people have with their gender, which is to say a relationship that is not one that is conceived of in any structured or 
recognizable way where I think that, you know, most people don't have gender dysphoria, but I think that most people do have this sort of just separated relationship with their gender where you just take on the gender that you are told that you should and you fulfill certain roles according to that gender in a way that doesn't actually give you a relationship with that gender because you haven't ever actually examined it or really even a lot of times recognize what its contents are. You're just simply doing without actually knowing why or how you're doing. One of the questions I love to ask is, where do you go to ask your gender? Is it your brain? Is it your heart? Maybe it's your soul? I I, I mean, I would love answers, but I, I, I don't know, right? Where, how do we even ask that question, answer? And, and it's an experience. Um, and I think many do go to what you're talking about, their childhood, their history, what they've been told, what they know, what's comfortable. And I'm not sure that, although that is part of gender in theory, I love the curiosity of like, what are we asking when we're asking gender? What part of us? Um, I think so much of gender euphoria, the exercise of gender euphoria is this process of really examining gender and then finding ways to consciously bring yourself in alignment with what you find and bring yourself toward whatever that is, whether it's clothing or style or just like general aesthetic or it's mannerisms or performance an expression that matches Mm -hmm. or even if it's not match feels euphoric feels good feels like you're saying something that gets to a point gets to maybe that really is it right as we're talking about dissociation this way that maybe it really is just getting to a point of being able or wanting to feel, wanting to actually experience that and your surroundings and the way that you're interacting with them. The other point I was going to make, and I know this podcast is on dissociation, but we'll flow. (laughs) The other point I was going to make was about sexuality right and the many individuals who begin one of the deepest expressions which is attachment right to begin to experience attraction whether romantic or sexual and to again have this experience oh shit this is not right oh wait the world doesn't make space for this right actually maybe even the world criticizes this and damns this right And that experience as a child teenager around our attraction. And I think we talk a lot about suppression and repression of sexuality, um, sexual orientation. And, you know, we can consider that a dissociation, right? It, It makes the act of loving 
so stressful, so overwhelming, and so complicated, something that at its heart is so natural, so overwhelming and stressful that we dissociate from it. And we can dissociate so hard that we repress it. We push it away for years and ignore it. Um, We might not put this in the podcast, but that's why for many of us, coming back to fucking right, having sex, dancing in a club, having these euphoric moments are so um I want to say ubiquitous. I'm not even sure what that word means. Um that's not the word you're looking for. <laughs> so glad I have a dictionary here. Um I think that's why some of these these experiences are so euphoric because we live for years denying, dissociating, pushing away uh, parts of ourselves that are innately um, so deep and real that when we do get the experience of, oh shit, this is right, oh shit, this feels good, that it's profound, maybe overly profound at times and it's something that we seek again and again and again to heal those wounds um do we seek it just to heal wounds i want to say that i think we do heal wounds through that i think we also seek it to experience i mean it's like profound euphoria right profound sense of something that feels right um yeah, I think that there's this creative element to it as well that is in those moments of gender, sexual euphoria, there's this sense of not only doing something that makes you feel not dysphoric or dissociated, but also feels like you are actually creating a new feeling that is good and creating in that moment a new way of being that feels good. And so I think that there's definitely a healing aspect to it, but the moments that actually feel euphoric also carry with them this element of moving beyond healing and into creation. Yeah. And I think we've built communities and we've created ways of living that surround those experiences and that keep those experiences beyond the healing, even though I think they continue to be healing. Um, but they, they, they actually are expressions that we make that we've made part of our community. Yeah. So beyond going out, dancing in a club, which I will say, it, it's just it's just that sometimes there is a moment at three something, six something, whatever, on a dance floor, being surrounded by community, living their lives, letting them go, working out themselves. Um, that is profound. That is something that I have these moments that feel, as I was going to say, feel worth living. Like those moments make all the shit worth it. Okay, not all of it, but enough of it <laughs> to live. Yeah, I remember at one point, I, I don't forget where we were, but I'm not going to say where we were. Dissociating. 
we too stressful too overwhelming to name publicly we were on a dance floor together and you passed by me and whispered in my ear that you recognized how much work i do on the dance floor and yeah i think that i always knew that but i had never really framed it in my head as like the dancing and moving that i do in those spaces as working on myself and Mm -hmm. working through myself and working beyond Mm -hmm. a few moments ago i was gonna say like maybe i'm just the therapist in the room (laughs) but what happens on a dance floor is therapeutic and i see it through that lens and i see and i think that's what you're speaking to like I see you doing work. I see you doing thinking, healing, engaging, right? More than body work. Um, I imagine you in story and in narrative. And um, and I know that that place is a place that our bodies bring some shit up and work some shit out. And um, the body knows and the dance kind of shows it. Yeah. And that really is at, the heart you know this movement this being in your body i think is really at the heart of what we've discussed previously about how the work of moving beyond association is really tuning back in and being in your body and just like figuring out ways to pull yourself into the situation and that's where you know, this is all sort of like clicking for me in that that movement and those spaces that do bring us into our body in a way that feels healthy and that feels genuine and authentic is really work to move beyond association because it is that work that like brings us into these spaces, oftentimes brings us into the space that we spend the most time in, which is ourself, in a way that finally makes us want to actually be there and feel it and just be with it yeah and to be in a place on a dance floor where your body is working and to want to be there to want to be engaging to feel connected right is kind of a meditation performance experience that you're kind of um like withstanding or or keeping yourself centered or returning to this this like i don't it's like i don't know if it's exactly body euphoria but it's like experience euphoria where like for a period of time of hours you are experiencing joy and pleasure and connection and even sometimes dissociation and in and out but that it's like to give ourselves experience and sometimes i wish for weekly to just be in that place to be dipping in and out of something that is euphoric particularly with my body particularly um you know and and like i said doing the work like not always but sometimes stuff opens up on the dance floor and i'm thinking about what's next and who i am and where i've come and um and some of that intentionally like i'm calling it in So real quick, what are some things that you often advise clients to do to respond to their dissociation? Yeah. 
I often think that as we've really laid out some of these episodes, there is a skeleton structure to this, right? To have awareness, right? To continue to be aware, train, right? And at its base, name the emotions. What do I feel? Okay, numb. I feel like I'm in a microwave. I feel like I'm under a spell, right? I feel like I'm half here, right? Name it. What does your body feel or even lack feel? I feel nothing. I feel a hole. I feel empty, right? I feel like the room is buzzing, right? Whatever it is. Um, but the felt sense of it. And what we do with dissociation is a process of coming into awareness of it and naming it, right? For my clients to say, okay, I'm feeling dissociated or I feel like I'm in, you know, the cloud again. And in that moment, I know to slow down. And what I encourage individuals to do is tuning in, right? So that would be, again, still using your five senses, but it's to pull yourself out of the cloud. Knowing it might be a five-minute spell, so it might take some time, right? Depending how big of what you came across, right? So um, so this idea of tuning in, you know, sometimes it's get up and do jumping jacks, right? Sometimes it's, you know, and that's that, that great creator moment where you get to ask yourself, you know, through the dissociative cloud, what would help me feel more alive, feel more awake? One of the great questions, what time is it? What day is it? What day of the week is it, right? What's the date? Those are moments that, that, that really, like literally you can feel it. It's like, oh God, like my brain is having to come on to answer that question. Um, and so those are some basic tools to use. And two pieces here. One is to identify it quicker right? Just like with all the other reactivity, right? We want to be able to identify it not when you're so deeply numb in the dissociative cloud that you can barely have awareness, although that's a great place to, but we can almost kind of sense, oh, wait, this is going to come on, right? Oh, wait, I'm starting to, I'm starting to dissociate, right? And again, naming that to yourself, to the others around you is a great piece. Um, the other side that, again, it's worth naming is, is knowing, right? with my clients where I often see them dissociate and sometimes they just come in and it's like they're a dissociated day, right? They're there. But often some, the ones who I do work with dissociate as a reaction a bit, it's as we get close to the things that are really triggering, right? These topics that are really overwhelming and it's almost like as I start to get close, I can almost see the moment they're going there, they're going there and then it's like, poof, a reaction goes off and all of a sudden some drug has gone off and their eyes kind of go a little hazing and they, they're kind of in and out of the room and and so we can talk about it from a lens of knowing the topics that trigger dissociation, right? These things that are really intense. Um, and always it's, you know, that's skill one, right? Treating it, whether through soothing or tuning in. Skill two is, yet you still, right? You want to come back to these things, right? Okay, yes. If you really want to think about that food or that job or all this overwhelming shit, come back to it intentionally come back to it when you're not triggered right come back to it not in the moment that you're dissociated or come back to it later when you feel more grounded and in your core and work towards approaching those things slower so that you don't get so overwhelmed that you don't get so right be really clear what you can control and what you can't control and just be aware of your dissociation right be aware of that stress be aware of that overwhelm so that you can approach the things in this dance right move in a little bit Oop, oh i'm getting a little okay let me back out okay let me go back into my body let me stretch some okay let me think back you know and go in and out and eventually 
get better at identifying, responding, and creating new responses, reprogramming, and moving deeper. tuning in to episode six once again i am jacob foreman here with orion crook lpc in atlanta georgia if you have not been following us on instagram you should do that we made a new page at encountering the core that is also going to be where we're going to ask you to start sending questions because Orion is really bad at checking their email for regular work things. It stresses me out and overwhelms <laughs> me, so I dissociate that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm bad at it. I just don't adhere to the norms. Yeah, maybe bad isn't the right term. That was very binary of me. It's okay. I'm here for it. Also, speaking of binary, I don't know if we've actually said it. Um, I identify as... Um, well, I'm okay with the label of non-binary, but I prefer less binary. <laughs> um, but we both do identify as they, and it seems to be important to bring into this conversation. Yeah, thank you. And so, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Let us know how you're feeling about the episodes, about your life and give us any feedback as always you can go to orionpsychotherapy.org to access orion's free and ever-growing resource list as well as purchase a feelings wheel or cognitive distortions pillow cognitive distortions pillow or a guidebook and stay tuned for everything that we might be doing at some point in the future (laughs) questionable controversial and debatable (laughs) until next time thank you for doing the work thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you on a dance floor soon oh i wish that's the tea (laughs) 